Thank you, Tim. Thank you, praise team. What a wonderful time of worship we have had thus far, and may it continue as we study God's Word together. Let me invite you, if you would, grab your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We're going to put a pause on our study through the book of 2 Corinthians for a time as we have entered into the Christmas season. And uh, so let me encourage you, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke and looking at different songs from the Gospel of Luke, really as we'll describe them, songs of the Savior. And as we think of things Christmassy, there are few things more Christmassy than Christmas songs. And uh, we all have our favorite songs and the ones that maybe you're one of those people that listens to Christmas music all year long. You're sort of in a category all by yourself. Uh, But we all do love our Christmas songs. Some of them have direct connections with various memories that we've had uh, over the course of our lives. They're full of all sorts of nostalgia and everything else. Interestingly enough, even this past week, there was something in the news about uh, a song that was released in 1965, I believe, rocking around the Christmas tree that was number one on the Billboard music charts uh, this past week, which was striking, right? It's like, here we go again. We love these songs. And maybe, maybe yours is that one. Maybe it's, you know, Joy to the World. Maybe it's Mili Kalikimaka. No, I'm not speaking in tongues. That's a real Bing Crosby song. Uh, you can go and look that one up later on. Good luck trying to spell it, right? We all have our favorite Christmas songs that we know and love, but really, interestingly enough, embedded within the Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke, there are songs for us to sing. And one that we're going to enter into here today is in Luke chapter 1, and really it's Mary's song of praise, often referred to as the Magnificat, which really is just the Latin word that is, means magnify, right? By the time we get to this place in in the Gospel of Luke, and really, we're already knee-deep into the Christmas story. The angel Gabriel has already appeared to Zechariah, and of course, Elizabeth is now with child, whom we know is John the Baptist. And then, of course, we also know the angel Gabriel has already appeared to Mary, and the Holy Spirit has already overshadowed her womb. The Holy Spirit has done this miraculous work, and even Mary herself acknowledging that. And then, of course, she goes and visits with Elizabeth for a time. And, of course, John the Baptist, even within the womb, is leaping for joy because the Messiah has come. And in the midst of all of that and the rejoicing that is all there, we come to Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46. And we're going to read down through verse 56. And let us see together that we may sing together and magnify the Lord together just as we ought. Read with me, if you will, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46. And this is what we read. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and return to her home. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in this moment, capture our attention 
that you may capture our affection, and Father, that we may live to magnify you. That we may live to magnify you because of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. May we not miss the moment embedded here in what we often refer to as the Christmas story. Father, may we be overwhelmed with awe and wonder and worship because of what you have done. Father, stir our hearts to sing your praises with our very lives. Lord, we ask all of you, all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. As we jump right into the text here in verse 46, it simply says, and Mary said. So here it is, it's like preparing us for this song, and you can see all the sort of poetic margins that are laid out in your copy of God's Word. And as we think about songs, the best songs tell a story, and this song does not disappoint. And as we think of magnifying the Lord and magnifying the Lord and rejoicing in God, your Savior, we recognize that even in this moment, that as this song is pouring forth, it is pouring forth, having believed the Lord, she sings. In very similar fashion, and really you can find a lot of parallels with Hannah's song in 1 Samuel chapter 2. You could go back and you could read all the ways in which there are direct connections, but we ought to see here that faith is preceding her praise upon which she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. She's using the word soul and spirit here as synonyms here. Really the idea of this sort of sentient stamp of eternity that is unique to humanity. My soul magnifies the Lord, exalts the Lord, praises Him in the grandeur of who He is. That He is getting greater and greater and greater in our line of sight. You can even think about the use of a magnifying glass, that as you use that, not only are you using it to look at the intricate detail that you may understand what's going on, but as you look through the lens, the very thing itself is taking up more and more space within your view. How much more so should that be the case as we think about Christ, of knowing Christ, of thinking about this time of year and all the connections and all the things that we're involved in that are focus ought to ever increasingly grow and be magnified as we fix our eyes on Jesus and praise the Lord who is our Savior, that my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This word rejoices is not the word that's commonly used for rejoicing within the Greek text. This word actually it gives rise to this jumping for joy of leaping in exaltation. It's a, it's a picture that you don't necessarily think of as you think of, you know, the little Virgin Mary jumping for joy in Jesus. This ought to inform our celebrations. This ought to inform the way in which we think and plan about the ways in which we'll celebrate Christmas together. And notice how she says this, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Her personal Savior, which is at the very least an acknowledgement of her own sin in needing a Savior. And Jesus has come Jesus, whose name means Yahweh, is salvation or Yahweh saves. 
And it's an acknowledgement that she cannot save herself. And she readily admits that, nor can we. And so we look to the one who alone can save us from sin, save us from the punishment of sin, save us from the power of sin, and one day save us from the very presence of sin. And the joyful worship flows from lives saved by grace through faith. So that we rejoice in the God of love who has sent his son to not only come, but to live and to die and to rise again. We ought to sing with this depth of joyful faith in our hearts and in our lives. We ought to hear the echo of this song and feel the weight of this song that we would magnify the Lord together. We would rejoice in God together. And in case maybe you're thinking even right now, why should I keep going, keep reading, keep listening? Verse 48, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. God has looked upon her. He has given this direct, steady gaze upon her. This is not the sort of passing glance that we often give all manner of things. This is the way we look for presents for the people that we know we need to buy presents for. The way in which we have this steady focus. God took notice of her, and he still does. He took notice of her humble estate. And of course, we can read this, and we could acknowledge the fact, yes, was she humble in economic terms? She was. We know that from later on in Luke chapter 2, in the offering that she brings with Joseph. But she's acknowledging far more humility than merely economic humility. She's acknowledging the humble estate of her own life in her own soul that is rejoicing, that is repentant in believing. She's not coming to this circumstance as a queen. She's not royalty. She's not from a priestly line. She's a humble Jewish virgin that most people in society would have merely overlooked had it not been for the obvious interruption in her life. Yet Mary is acknowledging here, nothing escapes the Lord's attention. And that his steady gaze is upon all those that come to him humbly. He sees us. You know, we could think about songs that we sing around this time of year. And maybe reframe them a little. He he sees us when we're sleeping. He knows when we're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So rely upon his grace. We're not talking Santa here. We're talking our Lord, our God. What a picture. That he is mindful of us and he's paying attention that, that as we trust him and as we serve him, he's watching and he sees. He sees how you pray for your children, even though they have no idea. He sees the way you're reaching out to those who are in your neighborhood, even though most people don't have a clue. He sees you as you're walking through seasons of sorrow and grief, of weakness and inability, and he has not left you there alone. He is with you. 
And yet in the uniqueness of this circumstance, we see the breadth of God's reach. For Mary says, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. And we do. We recognize that this is such a profound, gracious gift that God the Son would be incarnated through her womb. What an amazing, unique gift that we can call her blessed, but we do not call her blessed. We recognize the grace of this moment. And she's even acknowledging the grace of this moment. She says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. All generations will look at this moment and say, look at our gracious God and what he has done here. But as we think of generations, right, if you want to just time it out, generations is something like 25 to 30 years. So we'll stick with the 30-year number for a minute. If you go back two generations, you go back to 1963, You know what the big toy was in 1963? It was the year it came out. The Easy Bake Oven. I don't know if some of you are reliving your childhood, right? Song that topped the charts that year, Surfing USA, right? Beach Boys. Some of you are remembering some interesting haircuts, aren't you? You think even one generation ago, and you think of 1993. The most prominent toy that was given that year or that was even really talked about, I don't even know anybody who got one, was one of those talk boy things from Home Alone 2. Power Rangers and Beanie Babies. You think of these things, you're like, man, that feels like a long time ago. We're close to 70 generations separated from Mary. And yet here we are still talking about it. Still amazed. The wonder has not faded whatsoever. There were 51 generations between Moses and Mary, and yet here we are even further separated and yet still talking, still singing, because it still matters. The Word has come in the flesh to redeem us from the curse of the law. He has arrived. The song is still playing. Won't you join in and magnify the Lord and rejoice in God, your Savior? For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Magnify he who is all might and all power. And his power knows no bounds whatsoever. You think back across the span of the biblical text, because it's not just telling, you know, one story here and one story here and one story here. It's the broad sweep of God's redeeming love. You think of creation and you think of the majestic wonder of creation and how he spoke all things into existence. Or you think of the wonder of his involvement and the redeeming power in Exodus. Or you think of him keeping a remnant through all the details of the exile and even bringing them back. And then you think of the arrival of Jesus and all of the things that he did that Mary doesn't even yet know about. Of he who calmed the seas, he who healed the afflicted, he who cast out demons, he who cared for the broken, and he who died and rose again, mighty and love, mighty in grace, mighty in mercy. He who is mighty has done great things for me. So she could testify to the fact that the Savior of the world was in her womb at the moment. And that these great things that he had done for her specifically lead right into great things that he has done for us as well. He has done great things. Holy is his name. 
for her to even acknowledge this is another way of saying he alone deserves the praise. We're not singing songs to Mary. Holy is the name of Jesus. Holy is his name. Set apart, and he is set apart in all of his holiness in terms of his moral purity. He is set apart in all the uh, reality of his purposeful mission. He is, his holiness is the distinction of his beauty and radiance of all of his other attributes. Holy is his name. And yet he whose name is holy came to die on a cross bearing the weight of all of our unholiness. Holy is His name. He's done great things for us. We ought to see the whole picture here and magnify the Lord. Isn't it Strangely ironic that the time when it's most obvious to be singing praises to Jesus because we hear the songs on the radio more so this year than we do any other time of the year, isn't it strange that we, it's also the time that we find ourselves most distracted, most overwhelmed in all manner of different ways? Let's turn our eyes and fix our gaze upon the God who has fixed his gaze upon us. That our souls would magnify the Lord. That our, our spirit would rejoice in God, our Savior. Because this is not just Mary's song. This is a believer's song. His glory, His salvation, His action, His holiness. is reason to sing, reason to rejoice. And yet the song continues still. That we would magnify the Lord. And not only rejoice, but we would magnify the Lord for His mercy and for His might. But look at what verses 50 and 51. His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. His mercy is for those who come to Him repentant and believing. Acknowledging His glory and acknowledging our unworthiness. We have sinned against Him, and it is His mercy alone that is our hope. His mercy is for those who fear Him. That if you come to Him and say, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner, you will have it. You will go home from this place justified. And that's true, that was true Here in this day, that's true now. That will be true from generation to generation, across the ages, across the span of all the names that are listed out on your Christmas list. As you're trying to figure out what in the world you're going to get great-grandpa, and at the same time trying to figure out what in the world you're going to get one of the great-grandchildren, and you're looking all the way across all of those names, His mercy reaches from generation to generation, across the ages. No matter how stubborn and unbelief somebody may be, whether they be somebody who has been stubborn in unbelief for generations or somebody who is just prodigal and stubborn in their unbelief in their youthful lack of wisdom, whatever the case may be, His mercy is mighty. He's got sufficient mercy to redeem, rescue, and reconcile even the most reprobate person you may know. 
What an amazing reminder we have. Every time we gather together as a church family. That's one of the beautiful pictures of knowing one another intergenerationally as we can look across the generations and say, His mercy is sufficient. His mercy is amazing. That's true whether or not you were rocking out to Surfing USA when you were in high school or whether or not you got some glitzy Home Alone toy when you were a kid. His mercy reaches in all directions. Amazing as He is. And what follows here is an interesting use of the Greek text even. Because what happens here as this song continues to be sung and unpacked, there's a use of what's referred to as the aorist tense, as you might describe it in the Greek text. Which really, as you're thinking about the way in which it's used, it's not simply talking about past tense, it's actually taking little snapshots. And so there are seven verbs that are used here as little snapshots, little Christmas pictures, as you might say. Little Christmas pictures that are yet to come of the work and the wonder of Jesus Christ. We all have some favorite pictures, don't we? This time of year, we'll pull pictures out and, and be reminded of all manner of different things that have gone on in our family. Maybe good, maybe bad, maybe in between, I don't know. Little snapshots along the way. I wonder if we need some snapshots added to our family photo album here. Listen to how this is described here. He says, he has shown strength with his arm. Snapshot number one, we're looking at Jesus and saying, what an arm he has. Now, we say that about people when we're watching sports all the time. Like, did you see that guy's arm? He can really chuck that ball. What an arm. What an arm the Lord has. That we would consider the strength and the consistency of his strength. And you can reach all the way back into eternity past. And you can think about the whole story all the way through creation and exodus. And you can think about redemption and all the ways in which that's on display. But you can think all the way into the life of Jesus. The way in which he exercised his strength. So considerable, so mighty, and such strength on display to endure the full outpouring of the wrath of God on the cross for our sin. And then say, it is finished. By his very arm, he has saved his people from their sin. Mighty Savior. So many snapshots consistent with this in our own lives. As we think of leaning on the everlasting arms. We've been doing so for a long time. And he's still not tired yet. But even another snapshot that's laid out here for us. Not only has he shown strength with his arm, he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. In the heart in the sense of both our, or all, our mind, our will, and our emotions. The way in which pride is on display in all manner of different ways. Our pride in thinking, I don't really need this baby to come and to be my redeemer. He scatters the pride. The pride in our emotions that will say, I don't really want him. Scatters the pride. 
The pride in our own will where we say, I don't really want to follow Him, scatters the pride. His glory scatters our pride. That as we see Him, not merely as a baby, but as God in the flesh, to live, to die, and to rise again for our salvation. When we see Him for who He really is, our pride is gone. And all that's left is to magnify the Lord with me. What a picture we have here. Magnify the Lord for His mercy and might, but she's still not done here. Verse 52, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. That even the word brought, the words translated brought down there, this is the idea of dethroning. Of dethroning those who are enthroned, as you might say it. This child will dethrone anyone who exalts themselves against him. And you can see little snapshots of this across the biblical text, can't you? Because you can see Herod the Great trying to get rid of this child. In Matthew. What happens? They go to Egypt. They come right back. Herod has no control over him. You can think of this in terms of Herod Agrippa who is involved in the crucifixion of Jesus. You would think that would be the end of it. He died and he rose again. You can think of, well, that was Herod Antipas. You can think of Herod Agrippa in the book of Acts. All the ways in which trying to crush the church, crush God's people, persecute them into oblivion. And yet just as Jesus promised, not even the gates of hell will prevail against him dethroning the mighty from their thrones. But even more so, not only, is he, not only does he dethrone them, he also dethrones ourselves from our own lives. We're so readily just invested in trying to rule and run our own lives instead of embracing the joy of the Lordship of Christ. And he dethrones us, so mighty and yet so merciful, we would rejoice and magnify him that we get to live under his lordship and not only does he dethrone it says and exalted those of humble estate we may say it along with James chapter 4 verse 6 God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble it's the testimony of the believer's life amid all weakness here he is he by his grace lifts us up As we walk in weariness and sorrow by His grace and His comfort, He lifts us up. As we feel the weight of loss and feel the weight of all of what is going on around us by His love, He lifts us up with His compassion. He lifts us up. Life humbles us. And yet our humility becomes a snapshot of His great might. That Sometimes we simply just need to zoom out the camera a little bit that we may see the broader picture. What a wonderful declaration of who Christ is. What He has done. Magnify the Lord for His mercy and for His might. Verse 53, He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. Snapshot number five, He's filled the hungry with good things. Now this snapshot feels familiar, doesn't it, this time of year? All of our holiday treats that we so 
love. Maybe you're, we're glad to see little Debbie show up in the grocery store again. You've got those little things that were stocking stuffers, but somehow they're all gone already. All the little sugar cookies and all the different, you know, cut out ways or whatever else, all the little Christmas trees and ornaments, I can't even tell you how many of those I've already eaten. Looking forward to coffee cake, looking forward to all the ways in which you think about that. Even, you know, as I think about this, I get that terrible George Strait song stuck in my head about Christmas cookies. And by the way, you're welcome. You think of all the little delectable treats of shortbread and pie. God does so much better than this. As we hunger for satisfaction, as we hunger for hope and hunger for contentment and hunger for purpose and hunger for joy and hunger for love, He fills the hungry. So the picture is that we would come hungry. We would come looking to him. I need what I cannot supply for myself. I need peace. I need peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And I need peace that passes all understanding that will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And he says, come hungry. Come on. Come hungry for joy that in the midst of the circumstances that ought to, that really do bring you to your knees in sorrow, even then the weight of love and the glory of grace lifts us up and stirs joy in our hearts amid all the difficulty. The wonder of his hope that this is not the end and that he has prepared a place for us. What an amazing thought that we come to Christ hungry and he satisfies us. What a snapshot we have of Christmas and satisfying us with forgiveness and everlasting life and love and truth and yet the rich he has sent away empty. Snapshot six. Those who think they have it all without him are sent away empty. Those who look to Jesus and say, I don't really need you. Those who look at the whole idea of Christmas that God would take on flesh and say, I don't really need this. See, the expectation is if you come to Jesus needy, you'll go away filled. And if you come to Jesus thinking you're filled, you will go away empty. And perhaps in this moment, God in his mercy is exposing the poverty of your own spirit this morning. That you cannot provide for yourself what you need. You cannot supply yourself with everlasting life. You cannot supply yourself with hope and with love that endures forever. You cannot supply what you know you need. Lift your eyes away from yourself and look to Christ who is merciful. Come hungry to Jesus and have the wonderful snapshot of him filling you with good things. You may not need anything else for Christmas, but we all need Christ. The song concludes with he has helped, snapshot number seven, his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. He has helped that only he is qualified to help us. Just because somebody wants to help doesn't necessarily mean that they can. Sometimes we find that 
overwhelmingly frustrating when we're out Christmas shopping and you make the unfortunate mistake of asking somebody for help and you spend the next 20 minutes not getting help. Just saying it happens. Not everybody who offers help is qualified to give it. And yet Christ here is qualified. Christ has helped His servant Israel. He has remembered the mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises of redemption and hope and grace. As He spoke to the fathers, and you can think back to all the promises to Abraham. You can think of Jesus coming, and you can think of the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. Son of Abraham, son of David. You can think of him and knowing he is the fulfillment of the one who is the blessing to all nations. You think of him as the one who has come, who has come to reign on an eternal throne. He who is the prophet that is greater than Moses from Deuteronomy chapter 18. He who is the priest in the line of Melchizedek, who is both king and priest from Psalm 110. You can think of all the promises in Micah chapter 5 that we're looking to Bethlehem, we're looking to Bethlehem, and he has come. And you can think of Isaiah chapter 9 and wonderful counselor, everlasting God, prince of peace. You think of him the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. You think of him as the shepherd who's finally come in the line of David to shepherd God's people as promised in Ezekiel 34. Jesus is the proof that God remembers the promise of his mercy. So celebrate with Mary here. Sing along with her. Join in the everlasting song. Sing praises to the God who has remembered. You could even think along with the end of the book of Micah. Micah chapter 7 verse 18. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. And Jesus is proof. Is this the song you're singing? Is this the song that's stuck in your head this time of year? That as you believe and you come to know Christ as Savior and Lord, not only can you call yourself a child of Abraham because you're a child of faith, even more than that, you can call yourself an adopted child of God himself. What a promise fulfilled. He has helped. What a snapshot of his grace and mercy. And we're left with these words. Verse 56, it says, And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Now, she had arrived in town. Elizabeth was six months alone. She's leaving. You add three months to that. Now, even if you're working with the lunar calendar here, we're still getting mighty close. All the while, the song continues. A song she took home with her. Will you? Magnifying the Lord magnifying the Lord for His mercy and His might. Do you think of the snapshots of Him at work in your life? And Lord, 
May you provide snapshots for every single one of us here in this place. This is not meant to be merely Mary's song, but yours too. That these snapshots would become your lived reality and that Jesus is calling people to repent and believe, to turn from sin, to turn from pride, to turn from all that captures our attention and all that captures our affection, to turn to Jesus and sing a new song. Not just baby Jesus, but of exalted Jesus who came in the flesh, who came as a baby, who came and lived a real human life so that he could substitute his perfectly righteous life that was lived and tempted in every way as we are and yet was without sin and went to the cross to die as our substitute, enduring the full outpouring of the wrath of God against our sin that we deserved, that in love He would save His people from their sin and then really rise from the real dead to give us real salvation. What a Jesus we have. Are these snapshots in your life? Snapshots of his strength, snapshots of him scattering your pride, snapshots of him bringing down and dethroning you, snapshots of exalting you in the midst of your humility, snapshots of filling you with good things, snapshots of sending you away empty if you come to him thinking you have everything, snapshots of him having helped you and remembered his promises. What pictures are hanging on your wall? Won't you come to Jesus today? Won't you magnify him? Won't you join in this everlasting song? Come to Christ today. Trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And let the song of your life begin. Let faith precede your praise and trust in Jesus whose glory has not diminished in any way, shape, or form across the span of generations. Magnify the Lord. Rejoice in God, your Savior. Magnify Him for His mercy and His might. Come to Jesus now. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, grip us with Your grace. What reason we have to sing your praises. What reason we have to delight in Christmas songs. And what grace you have shown in providing biblical songs for us to rejoice in together. Father, we pray for the person who's here today who perhaps has never known Jesus. Who has always come to this time of year, has always come to the whole notion of Jesus. Thinking that they've already had it all figured out and don't need anything from you. Father, in this moment now, may the light of your holiness and the glory of your great love dethrone them. That they may simply cry out for mercy and find salvation and justification through faith in Jesus Christ. Open their eyes to see that this baby lived, died, rose, and lives forevermore. Father, open 
their eyes to trust in Jesus Christ today. Father, for all of us here today, in this moment even right now, remind us of all of these snapshots, all of these Christmas pictures of your mercy and your might that we may live to magnify Christ together. In all things and in every way, be magnified as we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.